0: This is Talking Points, Ken's Politics Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Talking Points podcast. I'm your host Oliver Kemp and I'm joined as always by our political editor Paul Francis. How are you doing, Paul? I'm very well, thanks
1: Ollie, in the circumstances and all things considered.
0: Yes, and as I'm sure people will probably be able to tell by the the, the quality of the recording, we're not actually in the same room today. Uh, we are practicing social distancing, which is obviously the jargon that we introduced a few weeks ago, which is now smashed into the mainstream. Uh, yes, we're in our own homes, aren't we?
1: We are, and I'm surrounded by uh, any number of cables. It's a bit like some kind of Mission Impossible thing. I feel I'm going to self destruct any moment, but uh, yes. We are, as you Paul, say, uh,
0: pe- people have called you the Tom Cruise of Kent Online. So, uh, whether <laughs> that's they, a good thing or not, I don't know.
1: <laughs> probably not a good thing.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, where do we start? You know, it's it's been one of the most intense couple of weeks, probably any of us have ever experienced, as on top of being journalists as well and trying to cover the situation. So, I mean, just first off, Paul, what, what's it been like trying to trying to trying to cover everything that's been going on and keeping the public informed?
1: Well, you know, the weirdest thing is that uh, when you talk to people about this whole crisis uh, is the fact that, you know, they compare it to Brexit at the tail end of last year and the general election. That's almost as if that's been completely forgotten by everybody. Uh, And I think the fact that uh, Brexit can be overshadowed by something like this is very, uh, very telling.
0: Yeah. Do you remember the the sort of uh, the the days of Brexit that was almost quaint? looking back.
1: Yeah, it was, yeah. it was. But, you know, who's talking about Brexit now? I mean, I think there is a serious p- possibility that uh, if the corona crisis doesn't get, uh, if the government doesn't get on top of it uh, in the timescale they want, then questions will start surfacing about, you know, hey, hold on a minute, what's happening to the UK's negotiations with the EU about Brexit? Because there's just nothing, at least publicly, that appears to be... Uh, be going on there
0: i mean presumably everything else that's getting that's getting uh, you know delayed or cancelled or postponed then then it, it's likely that those negotiations will have to as well i mean i don't know how people are supposed to start negotiations and uh, when we're supposed to be practicing social distancing borders are being closed flights are cancelled you know that presumably yeah. how, how is how is that going to be feasible is it all going to be done well, through google hangouts maybe
1: yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> who knows but uh you're right in, in in as much as you know this is a global. Uh, Pandemic. Well, that's stating the obvious. obvious. Uh, but um, it, it's not just us who are dealing with the problem, it's everywhere that's dealing with the problem. And I just think, you know, in the circumstances, getting uh, I's dotted and T's crossed on EU negotiation and trade agreements is pretty distant.
0: Of course, the government right now will have a lot of other really important things to to discuss. I mean, Dominic Raab was in in the House of Commons earlier today talking about how there are hundreds of thousands of, of British nationals stuck abroad at the moment and they're working really hard to re- repatriate them and try and get them back home. People in Bali and Peru, South Africa, um, lots of people stuck in Spain who went on holiday before the before the lockdowns happened. And um, So they have got a, a, a big job on their hands even just to get people back to the UK. I mean, that's a massive job, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the, the practicalities of the situation are huge in the challenge for governments, you know, in, just in terms of what you were describing there in terms of people stranded in uh, countries where they don't want don't want to be um, is, uh, a, you know, something that the government and the authorities have got to get a grip on. Uh, and while they're dealing with these very practical problems, that's uh, not going to give much space for the politicians to talk about uh, trade agreements.
0: And going from the, from the national conversation, which everybody's pretty well versed in, to the local, I think it's quite interesting to see how, how uh, different councils and different governments have to now start working together and working in different ways. And obviously, in terms of local councils, and we've talked about this a little bit, Paul, but they have quite a big job now to try and make sure that people stay apart and they, they respect this lockdown that's been imposed by the national government.
1: Yeah. Uh, and there are two sides to this, in that councils, despite everything, are in the tricky situation of having to continue to provide uh, you know, the various services like collecting your bins, dealing with planning applications, against a backdrop in which they're also expected to, to uh, kind of implement some of these uh, uh, proposals that the government is introducing. So the, the, the workload of councils is has actually grown as a result of the a corona crisis in a way which you know none of them had anticipated and i think one of the issues they're wrestling with now is that they've obviously had to cancel uh, all their council meetings so every district and borough council in kent the county council and medway unitary authority uh, are no longer holding any meetings of councillors and the question arises okay so you've gone into lockdown but how are you going to continue to make the decisions that are needed to be taken on Key frontline services
0: because it must be difficult to make those decisions at the best of times. But if as long as you can get all the councillors into one room at a full council meeting, at least you have everybody there. But you can't you can't host a hundred-strong council yeah. meeting or, or digitally, can you? It's just that it doesn't sound very feasible at all. No,
1: it, it's not. The technological aspect of this is is interesting because there are you know rules around transparency, openness, and accountability. Uh, and I've, you know, picked up from some councils that they're exploring, kind of, as you said, you know, virtual meetings, hangouts, etc. But if they do that, where does the scrutiny uh, of, the, you know, people like ourselves, the, the press, local press, come in? Because, you know, normally if we, we take an interest in a particular council meeting, we just go along to the council chamber, sit in and hear what the politicians have got to say or tune into a webcast. How is that going to be uh, arranged if councils go into some of these uh, slightly more challenging ways of doing meetings through uh, you know hangouts or uh, sort of video conferencing.
0: Logistically very confusing isn't it um, and uh, something that um, had been interesting as well trying to see how these councils or how our local councils are trying to practice the social distancing, trying to respect those things. So obviously we've we had over the last few days or yesterday we had the the fact that this national lockdown has now kind of hit its its zenith. You know, we shouldn't be going outside except for essential, uh, essential shopping or medical reasons or for a little bit of exercise. But prior to that, people were you know, that it was maybe less reinforced. The the message perhaps wasn't as clear from national government where how far you could take it, which is why we saw national parks staying open. And the whole thing got a little bit confused, didn't it?
1: It did. Uh, Yeah, classic example of, you know, councils trying to please two different audiences, if you like. Uh, Kent County Council has around nine country parks dotted around the county, which it said it planned to keep open uh, despite some of the uh, restrictions uh, that had previously been introduced uh, and that was at odds with uh, neighbouring authorities like Essex County Council which had closed all its public parks and as you mentioned the National Trust uh, was forced into closing its parks and properties uh, as a result of the the current crisis. KCC kind of in, in a way uh, st- stuck out uh, or tried to... Um, maintain its position on public parks and it still has in some senses but uh, at the beginning of the week it was saying we're definitely keeping these country parks open then Boris Johnson comes on the TV makes a a public statement uh, and KCC's response to that is that the country parks will still be open but only uh, visitors who are arriving on foot or on horses apparently (laughs) <laughs> we'll, be able to use it. we'll be able to use them because they, they were closing all the car parks at the country parks. And, you know, given their nature, uh, lots of people tend to visit and visit by virtue of driving to the country
0: park. I don't know a single person who owns a horse, Paul. <laughs> don't you? I've got to be I honest, can,
1: no. I, off the top of my head, I don't either. But, uh, you know, it may be the time to, uh, to you know, invest in a horse, you know, if you're keen on using <laughs> country parks. Who knows?
0: I'm going to start looking at equine stocks and see if they start increasing over the next few months. That's interesting. Because also the other confusing thing was after KCC announced that their parks would stay open, very quickly Maidstone Borough Council announced that their parks would be closed. So there's quite two completely different responses there from from the overarching county council and then a smaller borough council.
1: Yes. Uh, You know, another example of where uh, councils are responding in different ways to government guidance or regulations or restrictions, uh, and as you say, Maidstone Council um, put out a press notice saying it was it was closing all its parks pretty much on the same time as KCC was putting out a notice saying that they were going to keep keep theirs open. So it's uh, it's understandable why residents feel a bit confused.
0: Yeah, although although not understandable, and we did cover this on the Kent Online website, so some of you may have seen the story, um, that thousands of, of revelers of the sun turned up in Whitstable the weekend, yes. and all packed in like sardines. Uh, to yeah. enjoy the sun, which which obviously uh, is is completely against this whole idea of making sure we stay apart and try not to spread this virus. I think they were actually branded idiots on our website, which yeah, <laughs> actually th- might yeah. be fairly accurate to be honest.
1: I think there was a, a, a hashtag #CovidIdiots began trending at one point, but uh, yeah, as you say, we've seen this and, and and are continuing to see some of this kind of. Uh, uh, Group gatherings, uh, either by virtue of you know people on tube trains in London, which if, you, if you've seen some of the pictures today, uh, indicate that people have just not taking on board that uh, that message that they've got to be th- is it three metres apart? I think in I think it's New- two two. Well, and uh, as you know, the weekend and the sun comes out and lots of people pile down to places like Whitstable for a day in the sun, uh, albeit quite cold uh, and and draw the, you know, right, rightfully the kind of criticism that uh, has been made of people ignoring the government's uh, advice.
0: I mean, the public transport one in London is an interesting one because on the flip side of saying people aren't listening to the advice and they're still getting on tube trains, if your job is not protected and you need to pay your bills... Then you have no choice but to travel on the underground to go to work if you're working in London. And this is the this is, I guess, the problem with um, the, the what Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, announced last week was quite unprecedented in the fact that eighty percent of wages will be paid to employees through businesses that would be struggling through this crisis. That doesn't include self-employed people. Self-employed people would still need to apply for um, universal credit. Or I think maybe they were talking about statutory sick pay, but that's £94 a week, which is obviously not enough to live on for most people. Um, Yeah. So so these people don't really have a... A lot of the time don't have a choice. I mean, just anecdotally, my girlfriend, she works for a car rental company who are considered an essential service because they sometimes... Put cars out to emergency services and key workers and um, so everybody that works in that company is having to travel into work be that by their own car or public transport and deal with the public and deal with those people so there are people out there that are basically they have no choice
1: yeah that's right and i think you know if you uh, had the time or inclination to interview a, a, a carriage full of um, people on a london underground train they would probably say exactly that uh, which suggests there are kind of some intransigent employers around and illustrates also the fact that the government has got a, a real problem on its hands because some of these people will probably be, be in jobs which are you know designated as uh, ones where um, the new restrictions don't apply. So, it, again, it does indicate that the government has got a very tricky job to handle in terms of making sure uh, that everything is done to minimise the risk of uh, infection.
0: I spoke to, uh, speaking about businesses and employment as well, I spoke to Councillor Alex Patterson of Rochester West yesterday uh, after, and if you've seen the Cineworld Action Group, so this is the group of employees who lost their jobs from the from the Cineworld cinema chain, um, about Four or five days prior to the chancellor announcing this eighty percent wage uh, payment, um, so a lot of a lot of people unceremoniously sacked. It was called like a like a mass, well mass sacking basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, now this this action group is saying, well, now that this has come in, maybe you can bring us back in, and so we can get these eighty percent wages. So we're not all going to be out looking for jobs and failing to pay our wages. I mean, Councillor Patterson was saying how saw it as a pretty much a disgrace and how perhaps after this pandemic we might think about the the certain businesses that we patronise and maybe we won't feel like going to Cineworld because they treat their staff so badly and similarly a company like Weatherspoons who have recently said they won't be paying any staff past the 22nd of March um, and they're now out struggling to, to pay their mortgages and pay their bills.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean I think this again is uh, something the government, government's got to address with some urgency is it's announced these plans. And uh, the one thing you do here is that uh, employers and others have no current way in which they can apply for some of these dispensations. Uh, and I think, you know, given that uh, some kind of businesses are in a fairly perilous position, uh, that is something which needs to be a kind of key priority for, for the government. Because uh, until those Dispensations uh, come in, and the government uh, details what its uh, arrangements are going to be and what you have to do. There will be more more decisions by employers along the lines that we've seen from the, this cinema chain and to Weatherspoons.
0: I wonder if anything will come out of this uh, this whole situation positively, For certainly for people who are having to claim universal credit, because I've seen a lot of things on social media um, where people that are now all of a sudden having to claim universal credit are saying, oh my God, this five-week wait is insane and £94 a week is not enough to live on. And, and some people are saying, well, that's been the case for years now, but it's not been addressed. And maybe the fact that now more people are having to be pushed towards that universal credit system, it might be... Thought about in terms of does this actually work and is this enough money to live off?
1: Yeah, it's the kind of law of unintended consequences in some ways, isn't it? You know, uh, you're you're right in that, uh, you know, the the discussion around universal credit has led people to take an interest in it who previously would not have taken an interest in it. Uh, And, uh, you know, along with the 80% payment of employees' salaries for three months it's a question of okay where's the de- where's the detail how do we go about uh, getting it
0: i suppose it's going to be a long time before we get all this information now as you kind of our conversation's gone full circle really hasn't it to we're not sure when this when this information is going to come because everything's going to be so backlogged now in terms of getting legislation through sorting things out and just getting general conversations going about how we push forward
1: yeah and i think one of the interesting things that we're seeing uh in in the last 24 hours or so, is some politicians uh, querying aspects of the new kind of arrangements for uh, you know, new impositions on people to stay in their own homes. Uh, Tom Tugendhat, the Tunbridge and Malling MP, who's chairman of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, raised a point in the Commons yesterday which is quite interesting. He said, you know, this is this is legislation we need, but he was articulating concerns around the uh, fact that it might, in his words, used for malicious purposes, were it to be extended into other areas of everyday life. Uh, and I think that was a reference to, you know, the new powers to the police and other authorities to detain, fine people uh, for breaches of um, the, the new uh, impositions.
0: What's difficult, though, isn't it, that if people don't pay attention to this idea that we should be staying in our homes and they still want to go out, I mean, there's very little else you can push to. It feels like pushing to, giving police powers is one step down from giving the army powers and going to martial law. You know, there's very little else you can do because you can't expect councils to to be able to police it themselves, can you? So it it puts them in a very difficult position. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And even the police, you know, uh, flagged up some concerns about the... uh, the kind of challenges that uh, these new restrictions are going to place uh, on in, on forces. And I, I spoke to the chairman of the Kent Police Federation earlier, uh, who said, you know, the police, policemen and men and women will always do what's required of them uh, and are flexible and adaptable. But it was, you know, the idea that the police might arrest or detain or fine two people who weren't sort of sufficiently uh, far away from one another that they were in breach of the the two meter rule he said that just was you know that was not going to happen
0: yeah that's uh it's difficult to imagine that even being uh, enacted isn't it i mean i think we've probably we've probably covered quite a lot today but what we hope well what we would usually do is we'd go through uh, a little bit of jargon a little jargon of the week but i kind of feel like since we began with this, and we started with social distancing a few weeks ago, which we is did. now a term, a term of vocabulary that's now well within all of us, and we all understand what that means completely, don't we?
1: Yeah, it's word of the year, or phrase of the year, or will be by the time December comes around, or January. What
0: depressing when it... phrase of the year <laughs> that's going to be? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I know. But I
1: mean, it's uh, it's it's kind of as you say, accepted, kind of commonplace phrase now that you know people. Talk about every day, uh, and has you know crossed crossed over to the mainstream from uh, you know the uh, the, the jargonese fraternity.
0: It has. So, well, let's hope that not not more of the jargon that we've talked about on this podcast comes alive and comes into the mainstream because some of it is pretty awful. Um, but we yeah. will be back again next week with some more jargon. We're going to be doing these our own social distancing talking points podcasts over the next few weeks to keep everyone informed and, and keep discussing what's going on in in, uh, in local councils and in politics. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. See you later, Paul. Cheers, Ollie. See
1: you soon. Talking Points: Ken's Politics Podcast.